0: Hello everyone, and welcome to Enablement Amplified. I'm your host, Fiona Simpson. Today's guest is Sally Ladrick, and I am so excited that she's here. Sally, take a moment to introduce yourself and let's jump in. Thanks so much for having me on. I am
1: the Sales Enablement and Marketing Manager at ThoughtBot. We are a global design and development consultancy for SaaS companies, or really anyone who builds and uses software. In the b2b space so a lot of what i do is b2b sales enablement and marketing type stuff i've done a variety of things across sales sales enablement marketing over the last 10 years or so
0: and so it's been really neat to be able to use all of that in this role i love it and tell us what what if question you have for us today
1: so this what if question has been very much inspired by my role here at thoughtbot and being surrounded by people who build really excellent software and being steeped in some of those really great best practices and the what if question that i would love to talk about is what if we approached building our sales enablement programs and initiatives the same way that software and product makers developers approach building their products so
0: the way that we would do that
1: yeah yeah it's it's been interesting and i'm excited to to talk about it because there's some really great best practices that i think we could use that would help us to get things done faster get them things done get things done more iteratively and ultimately help our users to better adopt the programs and initiatives that we end up putting out there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know there's a lot of product development and software development processes or methodologies out there. Some of them also apply to like project management. Are there any specific methodologies that you think of when you think about kind of reevaluating how we build our enablement programs? Do any of those methodologies fit really well for what we do?
1: Yes, definitely. So everything that we do at ThoughtBot is really grounded in what's called the agile methodology and in using this methodology in my day-to-day work as an enabler it's really helped open my eyes to see that we can apply this to the programs and initiatives that we're executing on in revenue enablement and you're right this methodology actually has even been used in like marketing program management or other program management capacities but i think what would be really cool is if we in the enablement world took this methodology took this framework and applied it to specific initiatives programs instances right and then we could share those with each other which i think would ultimately help us
0: all make a bigger impact absolutely before we dive into the specifics around enablement and how we could leverage agile methodology tell us a little bit just give us like the framework of how agile works what are some of the important pillars or tenets of how it works and then i think we can absolutely dive into some of the the things that you're already testing out and trying and really dive deeper into what this could look like if we started adopting agile
1: yeah absolutely i think it's important to have that sort of foundational understanding so I'm not going to cover all of Agile because it's it's pretty beefy. (laughs) There
0: there, there are whole entire podcasts that are just about Agile methodology. So, yeah, yeah. The 30,000 foot overview will be great.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, if you want to learn about like sort of the values behind the framework, you can just Google the Agile Manifesto. There's some really great values behind it, like people over process working software right over everything else (laughs) or working product over everything else, all those things drive this methodology. And so those are really great values that have built this up. But essentially there's sort of two ways that we can traditionally approach creating a product in software. The first way is that we can do the waterfall method, which involves, okay, we're gonna go make a mobile app. So let's, you know, get all of the back end built and then all of the front end designed and then go build the front end and you know it's a very like phased approach where you do all of one piece and then all of the next piece and then all of the next piece all the way through until you have a working product and along the way you might be building out let's say 10 features for each mm. of those pieces. And they're they're sort of interdependent on each other. So you can't do step two until you have step one completed, right? It seems
0: really slow.
1: It, <laughs> it definitely can be slow. And some of the problems are that when you get to step two, sometimes you find a blocker that mm-hmm. prevents you from doing step three at all. Or, or, or
0: you have to go back to step one and change mm-hmm. something because something yes. you learned about in step two is messed up.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So it introduces a lot of risk, especially when you're talking about something like software development, where there are super complex interdependencies between that step one and step five, or, you know, the the backend base code and what your end user does or sees, including, you know, let's say we go and build out those 10 features and it gets in front of a user and they're like, I actually needed this other feature that you didn't go build, (laughs) right? Right. That's another big risk that happens with building software when you're using that waterfall sort of methodology. So in order to avoid a lot of the pitfalls of that waterfall approach, we use agile and the difference in the agile approach is that rather than doing step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, we take a cross section of each of those steps and build it for a smaller piece of the overall product. So maybe instead of building out 10 features at once, we prioritize the one or two features that are gonna make the biggest impact. And we build out those two features for all five steps. And that does a few Mm. things. The first is that it reduces risk, right? So because you've sort of tested and, and done the thing all the way through, you discover those little pitfalls along the way. And so you don't have so much time invested <laughs> before you find those problems, right? So they're naturally easier to solve. So that's that's the first thing. The second thing that I think is is really cool about approaching things this way is that there's a sort of tenet of testing and prototyping and getting feedback from users throughout. And so you end up de-risking the project as well, because when you get to the end of it, you you end up with a product that people want to use. Right. Because you've said users say these two features are the most important and that's what you go build. You end up having a working piece of software and maybe you don't have all 10 features built out, but you have enough there that users want to use the product and they adopt it, which is ultimately what you have to do as a software product to be successful.
0: Right. What they so call like, are the MVP, right? The minimum viable product, which exactly. I'm already, my, my brain is already kicking into like, ooh, how do we start using this in enablement? What I think is great about Agile, and I have some familiarity with it as both having worked in software for a long time, but also in project management, like capital P, capital M project management, mm-hmm. um, even in things like construction design and things like that. Some organizations adopt it because you have this really cyclical process. You go through those phases of planning, building, testing, fixing, and you just go through it over and over again so that you're continually learning from your previous iteration, you're incorporating new ideas. You don't have to go all the way back to the drawing board. And I think that makes so much sense, especially with the velocity that not just software developers are working, but all of us are working in the current state of of especially SaaS companies. So Mm -hmm. I absolutely am starting to see already the threads of how this translates into our enablement practices. So thinking a little bit more specifically around enablement, Where do you see some opportunities to deploy this methodology, maybe specifically in programming or learning design? Dive in a little bit on where you see this make the most sense in enablement.
1: Yeah, I think that there's definitely a few sort of common initiatives or programs that come to mind. These things are usually pretty complex. There's multiple aspects to them, right? It's not just like, I'm going to go create a playbook. It's like, you know, if we take the example of a product launch, right? Let's say it's a tier one launch. You're going to have to create a playbook. There's probably going to be live trainings. Maybe there's some sort of ongoing reinforcement, enablement of that new product or feature. There might be new slides that need to go in the first meeting deck. There are a lot of pieces that have to come together and enablements really orchestrating a lot of that to ensure that when that new product or feature is released, that the sales force has what they need to to go turn that new product or feature into more revenue for the company.
0: And it's not going to happen just once, right? If we think about something like a product launch, we're going to do product launches throughout our tenure with that company, hopefully. (laughs) And so building it once and then building it again from scratch doesn't make a lot of sense. So already, I think that's a great place where anywhere that we have those repeatable processes or these repeatable elements of enablement, Agile totally makes sense, right? Do it once, see if it works this way, test it with your users, test it with our sellers, see what Mm -hmm. we can improve, and then incorporate those learnings into the next version.
1: Love it. 100%, 100%, you know,
0: as you're going through, if you, let's say you came up with your
1: own Agile framework for a product launch, when you do that retrospective at the end of that product launch, which is something that you, hopefully are doing (laughs) something I think a lot of us skip out on in our organizations because we so quickly go on to the next thing but if we take some lessons from agile and do that retro then we can say okay what tweaks do we need to make to the framework to make this go even better the next time and what you find is after a while you've essentially created almost this machine right this Mm -hmm. auto not completely automated but mostly automated thing where then that allows you to also be able to go do that program more quickly and more efficiently the next time and it helps organizations scale because when you've got that framework down and you've got it documented or whatever when you have new people come on board or let's say that you add people to your team and now you have more people who can help launch Mm -hmm. that thing. They know exactly what to do. They know what needs to be produced by when they know like what the best practices are around creating those quote unquote features to your product launch product. And so there's, there's so many benefits that I think that we can reap when we incorporate this agile
0: methodology into how we
1: build and roll out our sales and implement programs.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Maybe let's drill down a little bit. Let's maybe walk through how this gets applied in a specific framework. So let's think of maybe like, let's say you're doing a CMS audit, your content management system, gotta go clean out the cobwebs. We need to make sure that it's kind of fresh and ready. And of course that's something that we all should be doing on a regular cadence. So let's maybe apply Agile to how you would approach that type of a project, like like a content management audit overhaul.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So when we look at the agile methodology as a whole, there's kind of this cyclical nature of, you know, planning your product or in this case, planning this CMS overhaul designing, right? What's it going to look like? We're going to prototype that we're going to test it with users. Then we're going to go build it out. We're going to launch test and we're going to hopefully come out with a product that's really great. And we do that in a cyclical nature. So as far as a CMS overhaul goes. I've kind of tweaked this framework a little bit to enable it, Uh, but
0: (laughs) enable it. I love it. Can we put that Mm -hmm. in the dictionary? enable it. Yes, it is now a verb. I love it.
1: But I think the first step starts with, and this is how any great software is built, identifying the problem and not the solution. And this is such a great stopgap for those of us in enablement who constantly get solutions thrust into our faces, right? The sales manager or whoever says, "I need a playbook for this now," right? And you're like, "Okay, what? Why do you need the playbook? Like, don't bring this. Like, what is the problem that we're trying to solve?" And so when somebody says to you, like, "Hey, let's go overhaul our CMS," that's an that's a that's a big project, right? So right. we especially need to figure out. What is the problem that we're addressing with a CMS overhaul? And I can think of a few, but I'm curious to know in your experience, Fiona, like what what those problems we're usually (laughs) trying to address
0: are. Oh gosh, so many. I I will answer that question in two seconds, but one thought that I just had, uh, a company that I worked for was very big on, uh, back to the product side of things, was very big on our customer teams submitting what we call business problems. Specifically, we called it that because our role was not to suggest a solution. Our role was to identify the business problem that customers were having with the product. And yes. I explain what it was causing issues with, right? This feature is slowing down this process for our customer there's not a feature to help solve this problem, whatever it was, right? Our job was to identify the business problem and let our product team figure out solutions. Mm -hmm. So that I think is so critical. However, you're thinking about building something because when you start to jump to solutions without identifying the problem, you miss so much. And like you were saying earlier, you introduce so much risk because if we go build the solution and it doesn't actually address the problem, then we have to start all over. So I, I'm yes. so glad that you called this out. When it comes to let's say, right, the the marketing team comes to me as an enabler and says we need to overall the CMS. What do I think of immediately? We have content that's not being utilized. That's the first thing that comes to mind. There is a problem because marketing has spent all this time building content and it's not being used. So it's gunking up our CMS, as well, some people think of it, and we need to get rid of what's not being used is their solution. Right. So one, one problem I think is identified is that one, right. That content is not being utilized. Another problem could be that people can't find things, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody, you know, sellers are coming to whomever saying I need the one pager about this Competitor, I need a visual to represent this part of our product, and they can't find what they're looking for. So we need to find it or organize it better, right? I think a big part of a CMS overhaul or audit is organization as well. So mm-hmm. those would be two two problems that I could see leading to someone saying we need to overhaul the CMS.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right on track. I think the People not being able to find stuff is the biggest one. And and the important thing to remember too is like, if someone brings you a problem and it's that, let's say your marketing example, the marketing team is like, we need to overhaul the the CMS and how it's organized because people aren't using our content. And we just think it's because they don't know that it is there. Okay, well, let's take a step back. How can we, like dig in deeper to see like why people aren't utilizing that content first of all let's the part of this is discover the problem and then validate with data are people actually not using that content or is your reporting just not reflecting that that content is being used by your salespeople? are they downloading it once to their desktop and then emailing it out through gmail so you don't have visibility right so so dig in find the problem and then the solution may not be an entire cms overhaul maybe it's going and asking 10 reps hey do you use marketing stuff why or why not and you find out that maybe it's because it's all just way too wordy and your solution is now not necessarily to go overhaul your cms it's to take that feedback back to the marketing team and say hey these are some of the reasons why reps have shared with me as enablement like they're not necessarily sharing this or comfortable sharing it with their clients how can we you know, how can I help you get this into a state where it's more useful for reps in their day-to-day work, right, and so now you've just avoided an entire CMS overhaul altogether.
0: Exactly. And I think what's so great about applying this process, this framework is that we didn't even have to get into like the design and build mm-hmm. and test and other phases of the process because just in the planning phase or sort of the discovery phase, if we wanna use sales lingo on it, mm-hmm. we realized that there wasn't as big of a problem as we thought, or that we can focus our energy on a different solution set than, than we would have if somebody just said, Go overhaul the cms and we didn't stop to do that initial stage so again I, I really like again coming from a project management background in some some ways just the idea that if we take a phased approach in the sense of each step of that process we can avoid risk we can avoid wasting time for our team or doing things that don't actually produce the result that we need uh, by simply just pausing to evaluate before we start doing anything. So I I absolutely love, like you you can probably see it, uh, unfortunately for our listeners, they can't see my brain moving, but (laughs) Sally's watching my, like the gears move back and forth. Just, just utilizing a little bit more structure to the way that we approach our projects is critical, not just for Mm -hmm. the outcomes of those projects, but also just to make sure that our team is working on the right things. Uh, You know, you and I have talked about this in the past, right? Our teams get pulled in so many different directions, having a methodology and a framework to evaluate the work that we're going to do before we spend the resources doing it, especially when we're talking about enablement teams of one or enablement teams of Mm -hmm. two or three. Our time is so precious that we can't just dive into everything and start solutionifying everything. I'm in yes. today too, right? <laughs> we, we need to have a methodology in place to ensure that the work that we're doing is valuable to the company, to the organization. Yeah,
1: yeah. and I think the, the, the last thing that I'll say about sort of the step one of identifying the problem and validating with data is that if you have validated that problem with data, When you get to the end, you're going to know what data you need to look at to know if your solution made an impact on that problem,
0: which is the thing
1: that so many enablers today, I think they're struggling with. They know they're making an impact. They know they're doing good things, but because they didn't determine up front what that measurable outcome is, they aren't necessarily able to draw that line from here's the thing I did to here's the impact that it made, right? Right. So I think that's kind of like, there's a lot of, I think that that first step is like the most important step <laughs> of this framework, but but let's say that you, you have a whole host of problems and a CMS overhaul is the best solution, right? To, to solve all those things, because sometimes you truly just do need a refresh. So th- when we move into that second phase, we're gonna say like, okay, <clears throat> now that we've determined that CMS overhaul is what's needed, you want to take a second and sort of define the the product right so if I'm building a software product i have to decide up front whether i'm going to build a mobile app or maybe a web-based platform right just very high level like what are we what are we going to produce that's going to solve this problem and so for something like a cms overhaul it's probably going to be like okay we're going to need to do do the there's going to be an audit there's going to be you know sort of a reorg. And then maybe there's a training that needs to come out of it. And this can be flexible, but having just a general idea helps you as you're designing stuff all the way through. So we do that. Third step is going to be, and this is the other like, if you do no other step (laughs) besides step one, step one is always the most important. If you do no other step after that, do this one. And that is to create customer stories. And what I mean by that is that when you're building a software product and you're using Agile, right? Part of the really important thing you have to do is you have to say, okay, there's 20 things that we could build for users. How do we figure out what we need to build and what we should build first? And so in order to do that, you need to create these customer stories. And the way that's formatted is as a blank, I need to feature because of reasons, right? So for CMS overhaul, that might look like, As an AE, I need to be able to quickly and easily find case studies so that I can share them with my customers and prove our credibility to move that sales cycle forward. Right? As a marketer or as someone on the marketing team, I need to be able to see what content salespeople are using so that I know what I should be making more of as a marketer. I need to know what's effective, right? As a, you know, as a sales manager, I need to be able to find the playbooks so that I can share them with my team. The list goes on and on and on and on. Right. But what I love about this, this step is that you can go roll by roll of everybody that's going to touch this program, this initiative, this whatever you're doing, and you can figure out what's important to them. And so once you have that full list of like all the features. Right. The beauty of Agile is that, you know, with Waterfall, we might have said, okay, we're going to build out all 20 of these things at once. The beauty of Agile is that we can say, okay, we're going to take the two most important things that are going to make the biggest impact on the business from marketing, from sales, from sales managers, from CRO. And we're going to build out those, you know, eight features to
0: start. Well, and you also have the opportunity to realize that maybe the solution for multiple customer stories is the same thing. Exactly. Like if ma- improving the search functionality or the organization in the CMS meets the needs of, right? everyone saying they need to find such and such faster or more efficiently, yes. right? That same one feature, if we're thinking about it in that sense, actually addresses what's needed for multiple customer stories. And so then, again, what I love about this is the efficiency of agile. Mm-hmm. It makes things so much more streamlined when you just apply these sort of thought exercises, if you will, to validate what you're doing before you go and do it. I love it.
1: Yes. Yes. And you'll, you'll see those themes pop up and you also, as an enablement professional, you can throw your own customer stories in the mix, right? Yeah. As an For enabler enablement, I need. Like- I need to see what content is associated with one revenue. Right? And this is this is your opportunity to go build out that feature because that's that's probably also going to be important to your CMO, your CRO, your you know, maybe your CSO if you have one, but that that step of creating the customer stories is going to point you to the themes. It's going to tell you what's important. And you can also prioritize by which ones you think will have the biggest impact on the problem. I'd say the, the last really big advantage of, of this step in particular is that for us in enablement, anything that we do, if it is not adopted by the, the people who are doing the training or the program or the whatever, if we produce is not adopted, we are dead in the water. Exactly. Because it doesn't matter how how engaging my training was or how you know pretty my deck was or whatever, it doesn't matter how pretty it is, if people don't freaking use it, <laughs> it's, it's not gonna have any effect whatsoever on the business. That's like the prerequisite for this program or initiative or the CMS overhaul or whatever to have an effect. And so because user adoption is so integrated into the entire process that Agile uses, It sets us up for success because at the end of the day, when we've identified those customer stories and we're building the features to the things that users have said they need, we will have amazing adoption. And because we have amazing adoption, we have the
0: potential for bigger impact. Yeah, absolutely. So thinking about this, I know this is something you've kind of been noodling on for a while. I can imagine that you're already applying it in your work. So tell us a little bit about either where you've applied this process already and sort of what you've seen happen or maybe other people that you know who have been starting to adopt some of this framework as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'll give a couple of examples. The first one is from somebody else. Second is something that I've
1: done. So Stephanie Middle, who a lot of people probably followed her on LinkedIn or know who she is, right? She's pretty big in the enablement community. She made a post on LinkedIn a while back, and I don't know that she was intentionally using an agile methodology for this, but I thought it was really interesting because it was definitely very agile-ish. But essentially she came in to an org and she was trying to address the problem that a lot of us try to address, and that is that salespeople get like 10,000 communications at once from different functions of the organization, right? Something that a lot of us do as enablers is to take those communications, solidify them into one newsletter, or communication, whatever it is, so that sellers know like what to look at, right? right. Instead of yep. trying to look at 10,000 things, I'm going to look at this one thing that enablement tells me to look at. Now, if you've built out that sort of communication cadence, you know that There's a lot of things involved. You have to sort of establish an operational process for cross-functional stakeholders to get you that information. You've got to figure out what system you're going to send it in. Maybe there's a template you have to create. There's like a lot of things that go Mm -hmm. into it. Right. And so if you try to figure out all 20 of those things at once, it's going to take you a while to even launch (laughs) that program. Right. So what Stephanie did that I absolutely loved is she was like, okay, I want to get sort of a V1 minimal viable minimum viable pro- process or product, and get this in place to start solving the problem.
0: Just get so it. So what out she there. did
1: is she bas- yeah. So she basically manually just like got all the little picked all the little fruit off of the different cross functional trees put them all in one basket, right? Used a free template in like MailChimp or something and got out that V1 of the communication to the sales team. And because she did that in a very like, agile iterative way she was enabled to get feedback from the sales team right they saw like a prototype or a design of what that communication looked like and i'm sure that she probably went back and said like hey did you like that what do you want to see more of what do you want to see less of how often do you want this right and she would be able to take that and then take that feedback and in the next iteration maybe now she's going to go back and she's going to add in that operational process. For cross-functional stakeholders to to send her the, the fruit for the you know sales enablement fruit basket right so <laughs> this is now turned into a fruit analogy it's fine yeah. but you know she's able to then iterate on that process and eventually it'll be this super probably machine-like process that is automated that runs you know it's gonna be super duper awesome but with how she approached it she was able to get to results faster she was mm-hmm. able to get that user feedback and she's going to be able to iterate on that moving forward. So I thought that that was a really really fantastic example of something that's not this like huge huge initiative, right? But this one solution to a very common problem that lots of lots of us have to have to tackle. Yeah. So, second example, something that I've had to do internally is Take a look at our CRM, our CRM data. A lot of and caveat, at most organizations, RevOps would probably be doing this, but I am RevOps and I'm also sales enablement. So
0: And a little <laughs> so bit of marketing and are there. And, and a little, little you bit of marketing. Don't <laughs> so, yeah. <with> everything.
1: <laughs> I, I don't I don't touch the the client code. I don't develop software. <laughs> That's I leave that to people much smarter than me. But As far as our CRM goes, you know, I sort of went in and audited, like, what data do we have? How accurate is it? All this stuff. And I found several problems in there, right? And I said, okay, our big problem is that if I don't have accurate CRM data, I cannot accurately say where our gaps in enablement are, right? I can't tell you our win rate. I can't tell you how many opportunities, if we're growing, if we're shrinking. I can't tell you any of that without accurate CRM data. So step one was to basically overhaul that, right? And I could have, I could have gone in and said, Okay, I'm going to do, you know, the three big objects that CRMs typically are comprised of are contacts, companies and deals, right? So I could have said, Okay, I'm going to improve all these things across all three of these areas. And, you know, we'll do like that waterfall method. Rather than doing that, I said, Okay, how can I take the sales data all the way through the process, just for deals, because deals are where like a lot of sales enablement stuff, right? Right. That's a lot of the the gold data that I need. So rather than trying to tackle all three of those at once, I just looked at deals and said, okay, all the way through the process, what are the features I need? I need to know what fields have to be filled out every time. I need to know that they're being filled out correctly. And I need to create automations and triggers and workflows that are going to help, ensure that, that that data is consistently filled out in the future. So I basically built out those few like, okay, these are the features I need to go build based on what was most important. And then I went and I executed, right? And I've been able to sort of go back and iteratively fix that deal data and say, okay, well, these fields are maybe not super accurate to what we want them to reflect. So maybe we need to go adjust that. And that's part of the next iteration or the next feature that we develop. But, you know, taking slices of things all the way through vertically rather than trying to get everything perfect for each step one, step two, step three, step four, step five. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I think that's a really big key for us to succeed as enablers, especially when things are changing
0: so rapidly. Well, and I think it also helps highlight the focus areas for those next pieces, right? Because if Mm -hmm. in our deals, let's say we have issues with contact information in the deal, right? What should pull from Mm -hmm. our contacts? Like that very quickly identifies, oh, there's a gap in this other area that we're going to need to address next because it's messing up our deal information. So Mm -hmm. again, I just, it's so fascinating to me how so many elements of this process are so crystal clear about how they make things more efficient, how they're gonna make an impact and how agile really Has kind of pulled it all together under one umbrella.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sort of to speak to what you just said about, you know, oh, now we see that this feature is maybe needed, right? The last step in that cycle of review is actually going to allow you to then create a backlog, right? Mm -hmm. You can add a new quote unquote feature, whether it's fixing a field or creating an automation or maybe it's a report. You can put that feature in the backlog. And as you go through your iterations, you can pull the features up that make the most sense. You can prioritize what you're working on based on the impact it's going to have, right? And it gives you mm-hmm. a great parking lot for all those little kind of one-off things with sales manager's like, oh, it would be really great if like, you could fix our page on this spot of the CMS to, be laid out differently or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like you said, our our time is so precious, especially if we're a team of one like I am and being able to prioritize is just one more of those things that agile really, really, really helps us do super well. But that's sort of the full process. And I think there's a lot of areas that we can apply that to, but I think that that gives a pretty good overview of how we might start implementing some of these practices and enablement.
0: Yeah, absolutely. When you were talking about the backlog, it made me think of a couple different ways in the past that I've tried to track some of that stuff that like, hey, we don't have time for this right now, but we need to hang on to it and do something about it later. We've had spreadsheets, we tried using like a Trello board. The only reason I'm bringing it up because a lot of times I don't like to get too far into the tactics, but there's got to be tools out there to help with those kind of pieces of the puzzle, right? How do you keep all of this organized? Because it is, it's a complicated process to some degree. Mm so. Any thoughts or tools out there that you've seen that might be useful to help kind of keep this organized or help someone implement this if they're not really familiar with the process?
1: Yeah, so rather than giving a specific tool, right, I will give some guidance and that is go ask your product team how they prioritize features internally because there's a pretty good chance that they're using Agile or some flavor of it. And I was actually talking to another enabler the other day about this very topic, about like a CMS overhaul that she was trying to implement.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: as I was talking through this methodology, she's like, oh my gosh, the product team uses this tool. And like, cause she was kind of on the CMS side. She was like, if we have a, a customer feature request, we put it in this place and it goes in the backlog and we can see it. She was like, oh my gosh, this is so applicable. It was, and and really then to already paying that. for
0: it and she can just get a license. Yes. <laughs> Which is way right. easier than implementing some new piece of tech stack. I love that idea. Start with your product team, find yeah. out what they're using, and adopt it. I love that.
1: Yes, because from a from a process perspective too, like, like you said, they're you're probably already paying for the thing, but your product team, they're gonna be experts in totally. managing work this way, and you can lean on them. And like, what better way to build that cross-functional bridge? than to say, hey, I wanna adopt a process that y'all are using, cause I know it works. And I wanna, I wanna help make the go-to-market side of the organization as efficient as y'all are. Help me do Who's that. Who's gonna say no you, to that? Nobody. <laughs> right. Nobody ever, <laughs> no product person is gonna be like, oh, I don't want you to be more efficient. No, the, the things that you're gonna, to do and implement are actually gonna make their lives a lot easier.
0: Absolutely. Right? Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, Sally, this has been so great. I feel like we're only like touching the tip of the iceberg. We might need to do like a part two or something like that. But I I think this is a great place for us to transition for today. I'm so grateful that you came on and brought this methodology idea to us because I can already see ways that I could start using this. I'm sure everybody listening feels the same way. Before we let you go for today, tell us how we can amplify you. What are you up to? What do you need help with? How can the folks listening today help amplify what you're up to out there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I love to connect with other enablers on LinkedIn. So that's, that's a really easy way to get in touch with me. I accept connection requests from pretty much everybody. Please don't pitch slap me, but other than that, like <laughs> love to connect. So LinkedIn, the other one is that I actually am working on some of these frameworks that I'm releasing for free to enablers to hopefully help us all maybe do our do our work a little bit more efficiently <laughs> All right a little bit better a little bit less risk so if you are interested in seeing those frameworks when they come out you can go subscribe to the list at agileenablement.pro. and i'm going to email those out as soon as they come out and it's going to be something that's kind of a passion project of mine that i'm iterating on so also looking for collaboration with those so if there's something that you feel super strongly about whether it's onboarding or cms overhaul or you have a project that you want to just even walk through with me right and, and see how we can apply this framework like please get in touch subscribe to that list would love to to hear from anybody that wants to help
0: yeah absolutely and we'll definitely put the link to your site as in in the subscription for that newsletter as well as your linkedin in the show notes so folks can grab those right there and then last but not least anybody out there in the enablement world or the revenue world that you want to amplify and kind of shout out that they're doing cool stuff out there
1: Yeah. So I want to shout out Christian Palmer because he is helping me to kind of hone my talk for the the Sales Enablement Society conference that's coming up. So if you're going to be there, come find me, come say hi. But you know, he's helping me with my talk for this conference, but he's also been sharing some really interesting thoughts across some different podcasts. And I think he might be coming up with something of his own soon that he's willing to share. So he's got a lot of interesting perspective and experience and I think he has some great, things to share. So I would love to see Christian amplified a little bit.
0: Love it. And we'll link his LinkedIn in the show notes as well. Well, Sally, thank you so much for being here today. This has been a fascinating conversation. I can't wait to see where it takes people to start, you know, maybe making a little bit more of a a tribe of agile enablers out there. I certainly have things I'm going to take away. So thank you so much once again, for, for being here. For everyone listening, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for leaving ratings and reviews on all of the podcast platforms for us. You can always find us at enablementamplified.com. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, I'm your host, Fiona Simpson. Take care.